Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we welcome Dr. Terry Shoemaker. Terry is a professor of religious studies at Arizona State University who studies religious change in contemporary life in the United States, including how sport intersects with religion and culture. Terry teaches a religion and sport class at ASU, drawing hundreds of students where he pushes the boundaries and asks intriguing questions of both sport and faith. It's a fascinating conversation, so let's get started. Well, we're so excited to have Terry Shoemaker with us today. Terry, tell us a little bit about sport in your life. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, having me on uh, today. And um, sport has always been a, a, a central part of my life uh, in, in many ways. Uh, probably the initial, I have an identical twin brother. And uh, one, we're fortunate enough to be named Terry and Jerry. Hmm. That only took a few years of counseling to kind of get over, but um uh, when you grow up with someone um, and both of you are, are hyper competitive, you're almost the exact same size, height and weight. Um, you just you you have this ready made constant person to play one on one basketball with, to throw a baseball with, you know, to break wrist, uh, your wrist while you're skateboarding, uh, things like that. So honestly, um, when I look back uh, on my life, there's probably never been a moment where sport wasn't a key aspect. And that starts off um, with Little League Baseball um, and then moves into basketball and then transitions into volleyball later in life. Um, and then more recently, um, uh, I play a, a lot of pickleball out here in Phoenix because we have a lot of sunshine and we can get outdoors um, quite frequently. Um, and so, uh, with, um, the, it's really, really important for me, but I've been able somewhat to pass that on to my kids as well. And so my son is, a um, almost an NBA fanatic and, uh, we just got back from Denver, uh, where we got to watch a couple of nuggets games and we went to the Broncos game and we went to an avalanche game. So we literally took like four days just to do a sports trip, um, and, uh, and beat the Arctic blast coming in yesterday. Um. And then my daughter, uh, an avid volleyball player, and I was fortunate enough to be able to coach her and some wonderful athletes as well. So um, yeah, I, I've refed, I've coached, I've played, I've broken myself. And so uh, sports everywhere in, in, in my personal life. Oh, that sounds like a sports life well lived. We thank you for sharing all that. What a, what a robust set of experiences. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Terry, share a little bit about faith in your life. Yeah, so faith is, uh, to be quite honest, faith is quite complicated for me. I grew up um, in, uh, well, I, I think it's it's interesting that for me specifically to think, as someone who studies religion and faith, um, I, I grew up with uh, two, uh, both my parents were teenagers when my twin brother and I were born. And my dad grew up in this household where um, his dad fought in the Korean War and came back from the Korean War and said, absolutely, there's no God. There can't be. I've seen things that if there is a God, 
that God's, um, you know, uh, impotent and can't, you know, or if it's willing to step in and do kind of things. And, um, and so my dad was really brought up in this household, uh, where religion, faith is whatever you want it to be. Um, but more than likely it's nothing. And then my mom grew up kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum of in a very emotional fundamentalist Baptist church where there was kind of an expectation that every week you would, you know, go to the old fashioned altar and, and weep and cry and kind of confess all of your sins. Um, and I think, yeah, I think growing up uh, between the two of them, I don't know that they ever officially discussed it or anything, but um, it just became one of those things where it was hands off. You, you two decide what you want to do. Um, we're really confused by all of this. And and I think that's actually where my interest in studying religion comes from um, and growing up in a place where culturally Christianity was everywhere. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I tell people this all the time that if you grew up in Glasgow, Kentucky, whether you went to church or not, you were probably culturally a Christian. Uh, you knew the language, you knew Bible verses, you couldn't not know it, right? Like uh, there's churches everywhere and they, they have those uh, abbreviated Bible verses on their marquees. Um, and, uh, every, I remember going back to uh, school every fall and all the kids were asking, so what, you know, what church camp did you go to? And I was just, I was like, I don't, I didn't, I don't think so. I think I just played basketball in my backyard all summer long. And so, um, uh, ended up in church somewhat. And, um, and now I'm much more of an, of an open-ended, uh, just willing to kind of explore, uh, type person with my wife and um, and try to think about like what is faith, what is meaning in this world, and that actually gets to some of my research uh, along uh, with sports as well. So a very intriguing start, Terry, in both your sport and your faith answer. Thanks for that. And I'm wondering, is there something that you could tell us about your life that uh, might help our listeners get to know you? Hmm. Yeah, that, that's a, a great question. Um, uh, well, uh, so I actually, I think an interesting, besides the twin thing, you know, that's easy. Everybody has that twin experience. I'm just joking. Um, I, th I think one of the things that, that um, when I look back over my life that, that I think really fashioned me and formed me into who I am today is on my 18th birthday, um, I boarded an airplane for the very first time to head to Great Lakes, Illinois, to enter into uh, United States Navy basic training. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and in the Navy, I served as an assistant chaplain, uh, which is actually called a religious program specialist, which is a, a pretty awesome title. And um, and it was that experience, I think, in the Navy and the discipline of it um, and wanting to see more of the world than what Glasgow, Kentucky had to offer uh, that really expanded my imagination for what the world is and, um, and introduced me to um, a wide spectrum of religions and faiths. Uh, I served with um, Catholic, Christian, I was uh, uh, chaplains, and I was actually at the ceremony to ordain the first Muslim uh, chaplain in the Navy, served along with a, a Jewish chaplain uh, as well. And so uh, that experience itself um, really, really informed who I am, what I'm interested in. 
and, um, and, and, and in many ways kind of gave me the confidence to kind of step in and say, um, neither one of my parents graduated high school. And, uh, and to say, at that point, I, I really set a goal, I'm going to finish a PhD, and, and I want to study religion, and how it exists in our world today. Yeah, you, um, your story is so interesting and unique, um, but it, and it continues to uh, expand, and it seems like that's maybe what's driving you, this, this idea that I had a small picture of the world, but you were a keen observer of what was around you, and you wanted to know what else there was. And so a really interesting background has led you to um, do research and to teach in the area of faith and religion. And you touch on a lot of different topics, but one of them is sport. And I'm wondering, uh, how did you sort of arrive at a place that sport was something that could be studied or something that could be investigated in a way that that would give back in in terms of understanding faith and culture and even um you know the larger society yeah that's that's a great question when i when i look back on it um um initially um during my graduate work I was studying, my, my initial uh, master's thesis was investigating, um, at the time, I, I said something like how patriotism is cultivated in white megachurches in South Central Kentucky. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was really the project I was looking at. And, uh, and I had a mentor of my project who his field, and still is, his, his, his field is religion and sport, and he's a an eccentric University of Tennessee uh, football, basketball, everything fan. And we would get into these these conversations and he would tell me about this work that he's doing with religion and sport. And this is this is Dr. Eric Bain Selbo and 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 Bain Selbo um, he makes the argument outright that as uh, as religious commitments continue to decline in the United States, that there's something about humans that still need outlets for religious expressions. And, um, and so even though people may not claim to be religious, they still do religious type things. And for him, that's sports. Um, sports provides uh, an outlet. And, uh, and to be on, I mean, to be quite frank, uh, we would have these conversations and I would just kind of wave him off and say, that's ridiculous. Um, I don't, I don't even, how do you even get there, right? Like, it sounds like you're just making stuff up. And, um, and we would laugh and go on. I did my project. I went on to do a doctorate and, um, and ended up writing a paper. Actually, it had nothing to do with sports, and he con- but he contacted me and said, hey, I just read your latest publication, and, um, I would, and I'm invited to contribute to this, this book on religion and sports. And, um, and I really want to use a theoretical framework that you created. So you can either co-write it with me or you can – or I could just cite you – you know, way too much. And it kind of looks silly. And, um, and one, I was just kind of flattered, right. That he's using my theoretical framework. And then two, I thought, well, well, this is something to put on my CV. And I like working with Eric Bainsobo and, um, ended up approaching a colleague uh, at the time I was doing my doctoral uh, coursework and ended up approaching a, um, a faculty member and said, I need to, I need to know more about religion and sport. And he's like, well, I don't know anything about it. Let's do it. And so, um, long story short, ended up writing this chapter. It gets reviewed in a, uh, in a journal and 
they actually select our chapter and talked about our theater theoretical framework that we provided and that it was, uh, I think to quote, and I've thought about getting this tattooed on me, um, <laughs> that our chapter was palpably more sophisticated than all the others. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, well, maybe there, there's something here and, and I don't have to jump into, I, I, now I'm comfortable enough saying, I don't have to jump into the sports or religion kind of, uh, trajectory. Uh, but there's plenty of stuff. Uh, there's plenty of material that still needs kind of explicated, um, as it relates to religion and sports. And so after I took that religion and sport, uh, well, kind of built this independent study of religion and sport word got around that, uh, this doctoral student was doing this, this kind of innovative stuff. And, and so they approached me and said, Hey, would you create a course religion and sport? Uh, at the time, my, some of my colleagues, had created a sports certificate and we are in a school that combines history, philosophy, and religious studies and history and philosophy had plenty of uh, sports classes for sports humanities, but religious studies, you know, it's just kind of there wandering and uh, kind of a wallflower looking like, what do we do now? And uh, so I ended up creating a course that caught on um, regularized and slowly, but surely kind of got, um, at ASU became the religion and sports guy. And now, um, in, uh, the bigger, say in the field of religious studies, there's a whole subfield of religion and sports and, um, kind of in with all of those scholars and, uh, and that's, that's a long story, but that's how I got into this conversation, uh, and thinking about kind of the, the cultural phenomenon of religion and sport, how they can be thought of together, kind of on the same plane, um, and, and what kind of relationships and overlaps do they have? So I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about this theoretical framework here, the ways that you're approaching uh, the study of sport and, and religion and, and what it is that you're bringing to the table. You know, we know that you have a, a nice set of, of publications that you've worked through, and I'm wondering if, if there's some reference to some of those uh, that, that might help us better understand this. And I guess uh, alongside of that, how you know, maybe more, more personally, so this is the second part to the question, you said you're the religion and sport guy. You know, how, how does that, that feel? Sometimes in these humanities disciplines, those who study sport are, are maybe looked down upon. Brian and I have experienced that a little bit. And, and so being the, you know, the sports guy in a religion department or a history of philosophy and religion department, how does that feel? So I apologize for that being a, a broad question. I guess, number one, I'm, I'm wondering if you'll share more about your theoretical framework. And, and number two, sort of how, how you identify with, with this role. Yeah, no, both of those, those are uh, really, really good questions. Um, so uh, the good thing about religious studies is it's completely interdisciplinary. And so I always tell people we can grab a hold of whatever we want to in the humanities and, and see if it works. Um, and so one of the things I've tried to do is to think about um, some of the gaps in the religion uh, and sports kind of field. Um, one of the things, so let me just set it up just a little bit of, of what is typically done. And then I'll say a little bit of like the things that I'm kind of interested in and where I'm going now. Um, a, a lot of what is typically done in religion and sport is, is either kind of what Eric Bain Selvo um, has done. And he, he's, you know, there's, there's others. There's, there's Joseph Price, um, uh, Anya XO Woodbine, uh, I think uh, kind of in the same that, that sports allows um, a, a religiosity for certain people. Uh, and it's, and it's somewhat hard to argue with this when there's, when there's people who literally say, you know, sports, soccer, football, baseball, whatever is my religion. Right. 
um, uh, when I teach this, uh, one time when I taught it, a student um, uh, showed me, she's from, I, I think she's actually like right outside of Boston is, is where she was from. And she uh, said her, her grandparents had this little room off to the side of their house and uh, said it was a, a tiny room, but no one was ever allowed to go in there except her grandparents. And so she was a little freaked out by it, to be honest. And then when she got a little bit older, um, she was at the, the home one day by herself. And so she opened it up. And it's actually a small room that's completely devoted to the New England Patriots <laughs> um, off to the side of the house. It hasn't what looks I mean, she showed me photos. She took photos and wanted to share it with me. It looks like a little altar in there. And, you know, like game day, you go in and pray and wish the best for um, the Patriots. And so it's, it's kind of what I call sport, the sports as religion. Uh, argument. The the other thing that I think uh, our field has done quite well is thinking about how religious expressions find themselves into sporting spaces. Um, and so whether this, I mean, this, the most obvious one that I end up in my classes telling students they can't use because it's so obvious is kind of Tim Tebow, right? Like uh, the Tebowing, the, the praying on the on the sideline or on the field, uh, the post interviews where someone thanks God for uh, their their abilities and their and their victories and, and everything else, um, and then uh, maybe even say at uh, specific Christian more more often than not in the United States more Christian schools about how there's sports teams that are uh, highly motiv- motivated and informed by their religiosity in order to do their best, and so there's there's sports um, there's sports as religion and then there's religion in sports is is the kind of the two paths um, that uh, are are, mo- are typically explored within my field. The two things that I've tried to do is to think of uh, sociologically um, how uh, sports operate in our society, um, and then how religion operates in our society, and then are they are they kind of functioning the same way? Not that I'm a functionalist per se, um, but but are they are they kind of doing some of the same things? And what I mean is, like one of the, one of the things that uh, that that first paper that was published, um, I was trying to think about um, how religious communities are are what I call uh, kind of cultural mason jars or uh, canning jars, right? That like a lot of times religious institutions are are they're preserving institutions for something that um, those religious communities feel should be transmitted on to the next generation, and so. You're trying to preserve something that has been impactful for your life, that's been meaningful, whether those are practices, rituals, holy days, whatever, that you think are good and, and should be then, you know, preserved, to use that mason jar kind of uh, metaphor, and then you just set on the shelf. And so when the next generation gets hungry and is, is, is looking for something, they can go and open those things up and they're preserved well and, they, you know, they, that's the way it goes. And so I was trying to think about um, uh, sports in the same way. That for many people, um, sports is kind of a a cultural preservationist kind of institution. And so uh, if we think about those practices and um, holy days and everything else, uh, say for an avid football fan, an avid baseball fan, passing those on to the next generation are quite important. Um, And so that was kind of my first stepping into it, which isn't quite, which isn't quite sports as religion, but it's, it's. It's more of thinking about what institutions in our society are preserving um, cultural phenomenon and important um, practices for for uh, the next generation and participation in that institution. Then, 
is part of that passing along. The other thing I started to think uh, to do is um, during my doctoral work, I was interviewing people who had grown up in, in, a, in quite conservative Christianity in the, um, in the Bible Belt region. And uh, I, specifically, I looked at North Carolina, Tennessee, and Kentucky, and, um, and, these, and, and people who had left that. So if we're talking about cultural preservation, people who have been given that mason jar who have now kind of rejected the contents of that mason jar, so to speak. And, um, and so then, uh, as I'm interviewing people, this, this rejection leads to quite a bit of strife, typically amongst the family members, right? Uh, for, some, for an older generation that has done all the work and the caretaking of preserving these practices and ideas, and then for a younger generation to kind of reject that work can be um, quite divisive. And, um, and during, I, I, I did a series of qualitative interviews with people who had, uh, who were, you know, identified as something like an ex-evangelical or something like that. And over and over, without me even asking, one of the things that um, um, would always come up, because I was really interested in that, in that family division and what was there, how did they continue, you know, like, is it, is it complete ostracization? Uh, do you have a relationship with your family at all? And whenever I would ask something like, and so what's your, your, your relationship like now? And they would always, well, we can't talk about religion. We can't talk about politics. Uh, oh, but man, we can talk about Alabama football or we can talk about North Carolina basketball, right? Or UK basketball. Um, and there was something that was really kind of safe about sporting space for these people and uh and that really really kind of like fascinated me right like it wasn't my project but it was this tangential thing and so i ended up writing a paper about um that maybe sports uh is sacred but maybe like a secularizing uh sacred space uh for people who have who have uh, with certain family members have had things are certain things are off the table and so then there's such certain culture phenomenon that still binds those families together and sport was one of those places that, that honestly just like appeared, right? I mean, it wasn't this exhaustive kind of survey. This was kind of this organic kind of thing that was just occurring uh, for these people. So that was, um, that was the, the thing I, I did um, kind of second with uh, religion and sports. And then uh, the thing I've been doing more lately is uh, skateboarding and spirituality. And then thinking about pickleball as kind of a spiritual, uh, specifically in the Pacific Northwest, that is the, supposedly the, the least religious um, uh, part of the United States is, um, you know, like it are, really I'm interested in is what is spirituality and, um, and can playing sports be considered spiritual by certain people? And then what would that look like? And so that's some of the things I'm doing now. Yeah, th thanks, Terry. That's that's fascinating too. And um, I, I think when uh, when you think about the sport as religion sort of direction that people have gone, it it is sort of a replacement, right? It is a substitute for religion, or mm -hmm. it's described that way as a as a replacement. Uh, but what you discovered, or what you just recently described, there was was more of a maybe a potentially a supplement. Um, when you think about, and I'm just thinking about, like, I'd, I'd feel really bad if, like, the, the mason jar of my faith didn't make it to my children. But I'd be really upset if uh, the mason jar of Detroit Lions fandom, you know, gets rejected by my children. That would <laughs> that would really wreck me, for sure. So uh, it, it is interesting that, that um, 
as much as we see them together, we we are we are also seeing differences there, and I guess that's that's encouraging um, in some ways. So I I wonder you you didn't get a chance to to talk a little bit about Chad's second question, so I'll just remind you of that one when when he asked about you being oh yeah but, yeah yeah but that's fine. I I want to just pick at that that first question a little bit. So when you describe these things and when you start looking at them, and I want to get to pickleball and skate culture too, but when you start go back to that that um, theoretical framework, um, do you put yourself into it and, and look for things that are encouraging or troubling, or do you try to stay sort of away from that level of engagement? So as you're looking at these things, do, like some people will look and say, well, that's, that's an apocalyptic sort of problem, right? They're, they're, that's a sign that the, that the world has gone mad. I mean, it, how do you see and view sport in society today uh, from from what you've understood, and and how do you take a step back, or do you take a step back, and and give it a bit of critique? Yeah. So the way I am trained to look at it is honestly to uh, to attempt to, um, you know, we always use the word interrogate, which sounds awful, but to <laughs> to interrogate or to analyze and and kind of. Uh, uh, as in as much as neutral as possible, right? So I, the one thing I try to explain to my students is that um, we're studying what is, what necessarily, we're not necessarily looking at what, we're not prescribing what should be. Um, and so, you know, a lot of what I do uh, specifically for uh, my academic work is kind of that um, uh, observer, participant observer kind of role where, I'm just trying to understand what's happening without prescribing um, necessarily um, how things ought to operate. Um, but, but you know, it, it's it's really difficult for me not to think about it kind of personally in much the same way that you mentioned. Um, and, and just like as a very brief example, so Kentucky, um, uh, although we have University of Kentucky basketball, of which I'm not a, a major fan, we have no professional sports teams. And so uh, the, it, it's either a curse or a blessing, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing and it's a curse in the sense that we, you know, if you, if you look at maps of where, like, say, football fans are, like Western Kentucky, is, a lot of those people are still Rams fans from the St. Louis days. Louisville area tend to be kind of like Colts fans. Um, the Lexington, that part tends to be Cincinnati fans. And so, like, Tennessee Titans. And so, like, it, 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 it's weird that way. But it's a blessing in the in the sense I always thought that like I could pick whichever team I wanted, right, and be a fan, and um, and so like growing up as a kid, somehow I was a New York fan, a New York Mets fan, um, and then when I really got into basketball, it was more about the player, and I ended up becoming this massive David Ro- David Robinson fan. Uh, I just thought at the time, I just thought, man, the way he carried himself. Um, the way he operated on the court, plus he was just massively talented. He was left-handed, which I just thought was spectacular. And um, and then they ended up um, drafting Tim Duncan. Oh, my gosh. And they won a championship. And then the whole Popovich <laughs> era. And I say all that to say today is my son is 10 times the San Antonio Spurs fan I have ever been in my life. And you talk about a proud papa. <laughs> Um, that somehow, right. I, I gave him the Mason jar and he said, I need to start preserving myself. 
right? He's all into the data of it. He tells me who's on, you know, we're doing, I mean, he, he says he, I talk about the San Antonio Spurs. He talks about, we're going to draft this player, right? He has this very personal kind of thing. And so like, it's one of those things that if, if I just look at society, um, particularly like where I'm at now in life, um, I, I don't know, even with my questions about faith and religion, as I've experienced it myself, I don't want to in any way, well, in no ways do I think a nihilistic perspective of this life is, is where we need to go. Um, I, I don't know that focusing on how meaningless our, our lives are uh, is, a, is a healthy way to approach uh, a, a society or individual life. And so um, if, if sports can um, give people meaning and purpose in this world, um, as long as we can you know, set aside uh, some of the things that comes with that, sometimes an overcommitment that ends up kind of mirroring a religious zealousy, um, where people kind of get violent with it and things like that, then I, I actually think the, the, what from my studies, um, I, I think that being a sports fan is, is a healthy kind of uh, opiate of the masses, uh, to, uh, to use that phrase, that um, it, it does placate us somewhat from some of the worst parts of life uh, and experiences, um, but and then gives us something to kind of invest in. Um, and then... Uh, to get to uh, that's the other question that I completely ignored and I apologize for it. I got so into talking about scholarship, but <laughs> my energy just, I just filed away that second question previously. Uh, the, the cool thing about being at Arizona state university is uh, for a school that prides itself on innovation. I mean, like every bus we have talks about number one in innovation, every billboards, number one in innovation to be doing really, really interesting stuff is applauded uh, at Arizona State University. And so the cool thing is when I tell people um, at Arizona State University, I study religion and sports, there's typically like some head nodding, like, yeah, you do, <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah, you're at ASU. Of course you do. That's amazing. I have no idea what that is, but yes, that's amazing. Um, and so uh, it's been great to honestly, Victoria Jackson in history is this phenomenal sports historian. Sean Klein is, uh, does a lot of work in thinking about ethics in sports um, from a philosophical uh, perspective. And so to be able to work with those two within our school that prides itself on, on really kind of an interdisciplinary approach, um, it feels like we're the team of all stars just to continue the kind of a sports metaphor um, that we've created an interdisciplinary certificate. We're in the very first stages of thinking about what it would look like to have um, an interdisciplinary sports humanities that even may include English, that may include uh, language studies, all kinds of other things. And, um, and so uh, I'm very, very fortunate to be at a school uh, where uh, innovation is encouraged um, and, and somewhat the more, uh, the less, traditional you are and your disciplinary approaches, the more you're applauded. Um, and so I, I'm in a healthy place um, to study religion and sports and have given been given many, many green lights to, to, to pursue some things that I imagine if I even articulated out loud elsewhere would just be kind of like, what are you talking <laughs> about? That's ridiculous. Um, and so I, I'm fortunate in that way. 
what a fun place and in the, in the sun, no less, but, but you really have a triumvirate there at, at ASU <laughs> with you and Victoria and Sean, what a, what a cool set of projects that you guys have and are embarking upon in terms of the curriculum, which is, which is great. And, you know, you've been a big part of, uh, of, of a new initiative within the realm of religion and sport with, uh, with the journal that you and, and Eric Bain Selbo are setting up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, at one point there was a journal, uh, Eric Bain Selbo, and I forget honestly who was his co-editor at the time. This is, but this was years ago. Attempted to start a journal. Um, I think they called it the International Journal of Religion and Sport. And I, if you Google it, I think you'll find like one one edition or something. It literally just kind of never kind of got off the ground. And we were approached by um, uh, Catholic Universities of America. And um, a gentleman there um, approached Eric and said, um, there's no, how come there's no religion in sports journals? And Eric said, well, try it. You know, we don't, we don't have any backing for it. Uh, and he said, well, what if we kind of sponsored it for you all? Uh, and so Eric immediately called me. He and I have worked on several projects and continue to work on things. And, um, and so in the spring, the, the first issue of the International Journal of Sports and Religion uh, will be released. Um, and we're really excited about um, the first edition where we have, I think, six or seven uh, religion and sports scholars who are contributing and thinking about kind of the way I say it, where we've been and where we're going or where we could go uh, in the field. And um, and uh, within that, so obviously, you know, if, if anybody listening is doing some work with religion and sports, and that's that's very broad and we're open to all kinds of disciplinary approaches. Um, we're also doing... Um, uh, it's a little bit confusing because we're, we have a section that right now is actually called current issues as well, where we're getting together. Um, one of the things I really wanted to push for is that this would be something that uh, would attract people outside of scholarships. So kind of break down some of those silos. And uh, so we have this whole section called current issues where we're doing um, these discussions with practitioners and scholars uh, about certain topics and, and then kind of reducing that to a legible, readable form, uh, but then also having the audio available on the website as well. And so we're excited to, uh, to be able to kind of get the perspectives of, say, sports chaplains, of uh, college athletes, of professional athletes, um, of scholars, of journalists, um, all, all kinds of different types of approaches on topics related to religion and sports. And the, and the first topic will explore kind of the legal and political ramifications of uh, the Supreme Court case. Um, and, and the coach's name is escaping me right now, but uh, in Washington uh, about the football coach that prayed uh, in the middle of the field and, um, and, and all of that. Um, and we're excited that, you know, in the conversation is an actual a sports chaplain at a university, as long as a legal scholar who doesn't, you know, sports isn't quite their thing, but they understand the legal ramifications of all of this. And then a religion and sports scholar. Um, and I forget who the fourth person is in that conversation. But uh, so so trying to do some more interesting things. And then it will also have book reviews and film reviews. Um, and so we're thinking about a, media, a broader set of media uh, as it comes to religion and sports, because there's so much out there uh, with both of those phenomena. Uh, but yeah, super excited about the journal and um, and think that honestly, right now, um, it just seems there's so much interest in, uh, interest in religion and sports. I mean, I teach 
the class religion and sports that's uh, at ASU every semester uh, and it completely fills up and and um, and I have I think minimally a hundred students every semester uh, taking the course and it's like one of those things that now we're trying to imagine what it looks like to be scalable uh, because like we just end up create uh, uh, expanding the the uh, enrollment caps every single semester um, so I think it's a, a topic a lot of people are interested in and um, and and are excited about you know that first edition of the journal and, and to see where it's going to go well Terry we're also really excited about that first edition of the journal and then the way that you described it um, sounds really exciting because it's going to continue to sort of push forth the myth mission that we hold here too at sport faith life which is to meet at the intersection where academics and practitioners uh, instead of being in silos can talk to each other and uh, that's been uh, pushed through on the global congress through the global congress on sport and christianity that uh, has happened now three times and then the next one will be in waco texas uh, we've got a quite a ramp up to, for that to happen yet but we're excited about that and and by then uh, you should be um, well on your way uh, in terms of uh, many issues of that that journal and then all the continued work so thanks so much i think you've just wet the appetite for us today i, I think i'm going to put it in a placeholder for you to come back on the show i really appreciate uh how you've uh, gotten it started here for us today uh any final thoughts or words or places that people ought to go to find your work um well Final words, thanks so much for having uh, me on in the conversation. Thank you all for uh, doing this work. Um, again, I think it's, it's, a, it's a combination of topics that a lot of people are super interested in. So I wish you all the best in, in uh, what you're doing as well. Um, honestly, you know, look up Terry Shoemaker at Arizona State University or to go to Google Scholar and look, if you, if you just search Terry Shoemaker Sports, Terry Shoemaker's Religion, I'll come up and, and you can find some of my stuff. I do have a book coming out uh, it's either going to be late next year or the or the following year on religion and sports, the basics. And so it's just an introductory um, uh, look at the many ways that religion and sports, as far as those overlaps, intersections uh, and relationships are explored, uh, but for a lay reader. Right. So it's um, looking at some pretty heavy theoretical stuff, but I'm really working to distill it down so that anybody could step into and, and engage with the in the topic. Thanks very much, Terry. This has been fantastic. Uh, looking forward to talking to you again in the future. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. Find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests, so you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com.